mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 102 of the Interview Podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio Technica. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and we've got JJ, Jake James Lugo, on the podcast today. But before we get there, the iTunes review of the week, it's back, and it goes to Philos, five stars, brilliant series. He says, this is a brilliant interview podcast. Jono is an excellent host and interviewer, and his lineup of guests is top-notch. Defo, check it out, with two exclamation marks. Thank you so much, Philos. And if you are out there and have not yet left an iTunes review, that would go a long way to helping out the show. So don't hesitate, and you'll get a shout-out as soon as I become aware of such a review, positive or negative. So Jake James Lugo is a guy that's been on my radar for a long time. He's been pretty keen to get on the podcast, and he's made that very clear. So I'm really glad now that I could actually make it happen, and that we finally had this conversation. And one of the reasons that I took so long to get him on here was because he's such a hard worker, he's doing a lot of stuff, he's the senior editor over at The Coalition, a video games and nerd culture website. But it's always seemed like JJ's on the cusp of something greater and i'm saying this as a compliment because i know that he's done some like ign wiki guys writing and i know that he would love to work for a huge outlet like a polygon or a GameSpot or an ign so i was kind of waiting for that to happen for him so i could get him on the podcast to talk about that but that is not to take away from what he's accomplished because he is a full-time content creator in the video game industry is attending conventions he's going to e3 is flying around the country to do these things which is pretty cool and really an amazing achievement to make that work without the security of a full-time job he's able to do what needs to be done to make it work for him whether it's freelancing here whether it's pitching some articles or writing guides whatever it is he's doing it and he's making it work and i've no doubt that he's going to go a long way because he has that drive he really defines the essence of what this show is about which is these stories of hard work behind the scenes and you're going to hear that and this interview really took me by surprise of how much I really did enjoy it and I enjoy most of the interviews I enjoy all the interviews that I get to do here but there was something about this chat with JJ that was just really earnest and genuine and I think that you're really going to like it too so here is Jake James Lugo enjoy the show JJ thank you so much for joining me it's great to have you on the show finally Appreciate it, man. A long time coming. About time. I'm just saying. Okay, we finally hit over there. We had Alex O'Neill over there that was poking fun at us. He was like, yo. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, he was poking fun on his show. I'm just saying. What did he say? What did he say? He, he was like, yo, why aren't you having JJ on there? I'm just saying he's literally the embodiment of just putting in work like every day. That's what that's yeah, his I, words. I was like, yeah, you're right. Cool. He's a good dude. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I can't disagree with him whether you're uh, in the gym with the nunchucks or yes. whether you're creating content it seems like you're always on the grind so yes welcome to the show and thank you've you. been on my list for a very long time but i'm pleased we could finally make it happen and uh like let's uh give a bit of a, a spiel tell me the 411 on everything you do because there seems to be a lot of different strands yeah pretty much i mean i do a ridiculous amount like like i was telling you before we started recording like it might scare some people the amount of stuff that i do sometimes <laughs> that just doesn't get a lot of shine like it's insane uh i'm the senior editor over at the coalition.com i've been there now on this month at the time we're recording this going on six years that i've been with them that i've been doing all types of editorial video podcasts and other types of gaming related content uh, I've been a freelancer for a number of years. Again, I've been in the games industry going now between seven and eight years 
you know, for a while that I've actually done stuff, you know, whether related to YouTube or elsewhere. Uh, I'm a YouTuber as well. I post videos constantly every single week, multiple times a week or at times. Every on my own YouTube channel, I do my own podcast shows. A variety of different ones. I do. I have a podcast talk show where I have different guests on, kind of like this one, which is cool. You mm. know, I, I listen to everybody, so I get little ideas from all over the place and try to, you know, learn a little bit as much as I can. And then finally, uh, I do a bunch of other stuff down here in Florida in the gaming scene. I actually go to a lot of different conventions and events and attend them and cover them, speak to the people there, get uh, images, you know, photography, a whole bunch of different stuff that I put up on the coalition or anywhere else, you know, whenever I cover different things. So I'm out here doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Jack of all trades, it sounds like. Definitely. Give me a bit of the uh, origin story of JJ. So. Did you grow up wanting to work in this industry and do the things that you're doing now or has it been something that's evolved over time? It's kind of evolved over time. I've always been involved with video games. Like I started gaming at a very, very young age. My first game was Sonic the Hedgehog 1 on Sega Genesis. That, yeah, that strange <laughs> and as cliche as that sounds, that is a totally true thing. That was literally yeah. the first video game I ever played. But as far as getting into the industry, that was something that grew over time because originally when I was young going into school, into college and stuff, I wanted to make games. And one of the things I learned very early on in the hard way is that I'm not a very technical person. I'm not someone that's like into science or computer science or math like that. Even though I was good at math, just the technical aspect of making games just did not just well with me. It was just, you know, something that was very not repelling, but it just didn't work. It just wasn't something that I found fun or appealing. But I always loved the discussion about games. That's what really kind of, you know, was the seed that kind of like spurned it to something else. And that happened years later after college when I was still, again, getting into YouTube and then also reading and watching places like IGN, like game trailers, uh, what is it, a G4 TV, which again, everybody knows extended play, X play, you know, that whole thing. You know, those are the types of things on top of the magazines that really kind of inspired me to really do a lot of stuff that I do now. And that eventually turned into what it is now when I first joined up with my first website, which was Real Otaku Gamer. Uh, I was there for a, a couple years. Then I ended up going over to Shift It To You, which is another website that's been dead for many years. Like they ended up shutting it down at some point. Huh. And then I came to the coalition. Cool. And so explain a little bit about the coalition, what they do, because like from what I gather, it's a very diverse gaming content website there's a lot of unboxings reviews podcasts uh, game reviews they seem to do almost everything just about yeah a lot of it is due, mostly due to yours truly most of the time because yeah. again i'm doing so many things over there but we end up doing a lot of different stuff obviously reviews you know for games previews you know op-eds features interviews listicles all these different types of stuff related to video games that's what we do over there but the basis of the website they've been around for about 10 years and uh, recently they uh, was it celebrated their 10-year anniversary back in november and when it first was founded they were originally a gaming website but they had a much more stronger emphasis on hip-hop you know in the music industry oh, and wow. that was their thing for a while and a lot of the people that were over there richard Gary, Gary Swaby, for anybody that doesn't know, he was the one who actually built the website and actually coded everything. Uh, Anthony Frazier, we also call him Cap. They had a real big uh, foundation with hip hop music and that was something that they loved and they just happened to love video games as well and they tried to blend the two together. Now over time, that's changed. That's obviously gone away a lot more and now it's just more primarily gaming and then obviously other pop culture stuff. So, But really for me, where I came into play with all of it when I first joined the website up till now uh, was always about video games. It was always about the games industry talking about it you know talking about games and just you know keeping those discussions going for a very long time and what was your entry into actually creating content like do you remember the first thing you did and do you remember as you started to take it more seriously what you were like thinking in terms of 
where it was going to go for you? Yeah, I actually remember the first thing I did. It was actually a YouTube video. That was the first thing that I really kind of, you know, sat down, thought everything out, and then just put a camera on and just went. Uh, I mean, yeah. that was like my YouTube channel from the very beginning. It was like way back when, like 2010, 2011. It was a while ago. And that was, I think, my first video that I was talking about something was about Tatsunoko versus Capcom. I was just giving my opinion <laughs> about the game. It was kind of random, but a lot of that inspiration came from watching other YouTubers that were getting hot at the time, like some of the first grouping of Let's Players, some of the first grouping of big YouTube personalities and influencers that were really coming up on the rise back then. One of my biggest inspirations specifically for Let's Play stuff, believe or not was actually D DSP, Darkside Phil. And a lot of people don't like that because, you know, he's not such a savory guy now these days. <laughs> but, you know, some of his older content was really kind of like the spark where I took a lot of inspiration from and like stuff that I really followed and wanted to kind of emulate, but really implement it into my own style. I never wanted to be like a DSP or be like a Philip DeFranco or anybody else, but I really just learned a lot from them and saw that like, okay, there's this type of stuff you could do and actually make it work and turn it into something. And that obviously grew and evolved over time. Yeah, that's something interesting and you kind of touched on it before when you're talking about like the podcast that you listen to and, you know, try and take bits and pieces of things you like. And I think anyone starting out kind of has to just essentially copy what other people are doing, but taking things that they like and putting their own flavor and personality into it. It sounds like that's what you've tried to do as well. I've done it a lot. I mean, again, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. I don't know how much of a Bruce Lee fan <laughs> you are. And I know there might be Bruce Lee fans out there. But one of the things that he usually says, or at least one of his little anecdotes, is adapt what is useful and reject what is useless. You know, that's yeah. not saying that like something like copying somebody or plagiarizing somebody is a, a good thing. That's obviously not. But like learning and like taking an example, taking inspiration from there and seeing what works and how you could kind of, you know, implement into your own style and then tweak from there to make it your own thing afterwards. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's key to any discipline, not just what we do you know with gaming what we do with podcasts and everything else but any type of walk of life that's like a very similar lesson that could diffuse to just about anybody out there mm. yeah i think when you hear someone say that they've copied something there's like a negative connotation but it's really like <laughs> if you look at like kobe bryant he copied michael jordan and he took his attitude and he took his, his skills and he, he adopted them to his own game and people say that about lebron that's also yeah. true and LeBron's done that. Like he's taken, you can see he's taken parts of Magic Johnson. He's taken part of Jordan. He's taken parts of, you know, whoever. So it's just something that's involved in, in like finding your own way, I think. And any, like literally any podcaster, writer, musician you talk to will talk about their influences, especially when you're talking about the early days of what they were doing, because it's impossible to just be a hundred percent individually unique from the get go. And it, it's just part of finding yourself, I think. Yeah, that's because everything has just about been done. I think a lot of us in gaming now, in the games industry specifically now these days, we owe a lot to what came before with uh, G4. Obviously, early IGN, a lot of the earlier magazines, even though, again, there wasn't really kind of like video stuff and podcast stuff out there way back when. But really, a lot of that st started to really come about with the rise of G4. At least, you know, video games being presented in a different way that wasn't just, you know, schoolyard playgrounds. It wasn't just in the arcade scenes. It wasn't in magazines. It wasn't like, you know, the typical stereotypical type of like you know presentation of what a gamer is it wasn't those types of discussions those things were changing or at least you know the perception of gamers was changing that's where we all got our inspiration yeah. from i say adam susser was one of my biggest inspirations you know adam susser morgan webb on x-play uh what is it um watching judgment day with tommy tarico and uh what is it all those uh, victor lucas so a whole bunch of other people that did stuff like that it was like okay we got the idea or at least the the the, the notion that like okay we could talk about our favorite stuff in a similar fashion and it could actually be kind of cool and you know be something great to show to other people and then enjoy it mm. 
you mentioned IGN and you look at how many podcasters, at least people who I listen to, they start their show with what's up everybody. And it's obviously taken from like a Greg Miller, but then you look at Greg taking that from Damon Hatfield and it's like, you know, it just goes to show that like people will just take what they like and, and make it their own. So it's, it's it a good example of that. Yeah. It works very <laughs> uh, well. It does. It does. It's just a small thing, but it's, it kind of, I think it kind of sums up what we're talking about here. So from there and you know, the early days of creating content, what was it that kind of made you think, Hey, I could probably do this, you know, a lot more. I can make this full time. Maybe I can start to make some money out of it. And how did you go about that? Because it's a pretty daunting thing for someone that's at the edge of the industry and not really sure how it works. Yeah, it's it's very intimidating. And anybody that tells you otherwise is lying to you and they don't know. <laughs> because the thing is, is that where it really started for me, even though, again, through college and most of my early career stuff, I, I took a lot of that inspiration and those examples from places like IGN and, and G4 and Game Trailers and all these other places, Giant Bomb, and really was like listening and reading and watching that stuff every day. Uh, I was doing all that while working at a dead-end job at a Macy's. And I was just like fed up with it. I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, this is not fun. I feel like I'm wasting my life away. College didn't really help because a lot of people down here in Florida, at least where I live now in South Florida, uh, we kind of got, you know, the short end of the stick when it came to some of our colleges, when it came to getting a job after graduation, after you get your degree and stuff, the job placement wasn't all that great. That was a thing that was happening throughout all of the United States, not just where I was at. And, you know, most people went to retail. Most people went to small end jobs, you know, while they're trying to hone a hobby and to turn it into a career uh, in something else. And for me, it was like, I don't want to be at Macy's anymore. You know, I see people uh, doing it big on YouTube or turning it into something from YouTube and going to all these different places like E3, Comic-Con and all that jazz. And I was like, you know what? At some point I was like, okay, I'm done. And I've decided not only to leave my job and just kind of like start writing and start to really try to get into the freelance game and try to work at a place at a big outlet like an IGN, like a Kotaku, like a Polygon and stuff. Mm. So a lot of the big places people would think of. And obviously for me, that hasn't happened yet, but it's been one crazy adventure after another over time that's yielded some good results, you know, obviously money here and there, but also even then just a lot of the connections, a lot of stuff that I would not have had I not just decided to get away from that dead end job. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, like, I know that you're such a hard worker and I've been expecting you to land one of these big jobs and I think that it will happen. Uh, so I've kind of been waiting so you could tell that part of the story. But hey, maybe we might have to get you here for another episode in the future when that happens. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where there's been... T- Let me put it this way. Let me tell you a funny story. Like, I, I there was times where I thought I had it. Like, literally, really? I thought, like, I was going to California like the following weekend <laughs> like I, I can't I don't know if I could say the website so I won't say the website so I don't put them on blast but there was a website that I had applied to and I went to four interviews I literally oh, went wow. to four interviews and they all loved me I found out later they all said yes and it was the very last person that said no and the reasoning for it actually devastated me because it really hit my morale bad because according to them because I had too much experience they didn't want to give me the job and I was like, I'm here, I'm ready to work, I'm ready to do something for you, I'm ready to roll. You know, all you gotta do is just give me the football and I'll score you a touchdown every right. time. But to them, it was like, no, we wanted someone that was less experienced because you know more than your superior. And so I was like, well, that kind of doesn't make any sense to me because I don't see what the problem is. You want somebody to work, you want somebody to join up with you and do something, why won't you wanna hire me? And that's like something I've struggled with for a while because I, it's not just me, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other people probably listening to this now that has like been in that position because it, it now these days, it's a little bit more difficult to find a job that's stable and that mm. works right with the rest of your you know your personal life and everything else but for me it's like i'm here i'm ready to work and just nobody was giving me the football yeah that is unusual i don't i can't say that i can understand where that's coming from you know the way that you've described it i mean 
if it's a very low entry level job i can see maybe that they would think that you're not going to stick around for very long but that doesn't sound like what you're describing that's that's very unusual and i'm sorry to hear that it's just weird it's yeah. weird i mean it happens i mean there's not much i can really do about it it's yeah. like you know it's out of my control but it's one of those things is like you know in, in a lot of instances with people that are looking for jobs whether it's in gaming or otherwise you're out there trying to apply you're trying to show and kind of live up to expectations or criteria and then you get that rug pulled underneath you mm. saying that you're doing too much and I think that, you know, sometimes finding that good balance or at least finding a place where like, you know, you could really contribute and stuff and really kind of make things work. So that's really, really difficult. Yeah. And, you know, just for me personally, again, it's it's an ongoing journey now. I'm still hoping that it kind of hits and it kind of, you know, changes up. So, again, I can't come back and tell you be like, yo, you remember that time when I was complaining about this back then? It's <laughs> like we could laugh about it. Yeah. But it's still... It's still something that I feel like, again, it's all part of the process. It's all part of, you know, the journey there. And I think that, you know, Michael B. Jordan says it very well. He says, what's for you is for you. Yeah. You know, when things hit, it will hit and it'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like you've heard past episodes of this show, you would have heard examples of that, like Alana Pierce, who, definitely, uh, you know, moved from here to IG. I don't know that you've uh, got a connection with her story and like her experience but she got rejected by that company a couple times before she ended up working there and you know and then now she's moved on to even even cooler stuff so yeah you never know where uh the journey will take you definitely i mean with her specifically i even told you one time is that i love that episode you did with her Mm. because me and her have very similar paths on what we've done you know when it comes to gaming stuff obviously her she's very different she's already made it in some regard and stuff but like those early starts and like you know trying to break into the industry and trying to connect with different people and do different things i can relate to that very heavily because Mm. it's like it's very again it's a very similar struggle even though it has very divergent paths yeah yeah and amongst all of that you have succeeded in a lot of ways in that you are full-time working in the industry which i have to say there's not many people outside of you know the big companies that have managed to do that so congratulations on that and you know how did that come about and how does that feel to be able to say that you're a full-time you know content creator yeah, and again, the title is weird because some people say games <laughs> journalist and people say content creator. Some people say influencer now. That's the new hotness well, was, to be an I was influencer. Gonna say, I was going to say journalist, and then I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's such a... The only a, journalist in this industry term, is yeah. Jason Schreier. Yeah, we all exactly. know this. The man's got ninjas. We all know yeah. this. I'm, one of these days, I'm going to ask him how he got his ninjas, just so I can have them because it's awesome. <laughs> but my point is, though is that, you know, it? one of the biggest things I have to uh, attribute a lot of that to, because, again, even though I'm not out here balling, I'm not out here like any one of these other crazy YouTubers and stuff really making a lot of money like that, but a lot of it is due to my parents, you know, their understanding, you know, their willingness to kind of work with me a lot when it comes to not only giving me a place to stay, because I still live at home, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. A lot of people tend to be, but when you're trying to make something big happen, you're trying mm-hmm. to make a huge change and trying to make something that is really going to set you up for the rest of your life, sometimes you got to do what you got to do when just suck it up and whatever other people's opinions are you know it's going to be what it is but who knows maybe they'll change at some point down the line but i attribute it to that i attribute it also to again just my willingness to kind of resist the urge to go to retail and to go to like a really dead-end job i don't want to go work at a mcdonald's i don't want to go work at a macy's again i don't want to go work at a GameStop, which i almost did very briefly i did for one day i worked at GameStop for one day <laughs> and as soon as i saw how it was and like what they were doing and what the people were willing to do there i was like nope i am not dealing with this stress i'm not dealing with this nonsense i want to be involved with games but i don't want to be involved with this mm. and a lot of that again just over time just compounding together and me uh being diligent and kind of you know having a lot of perseverance and a lot of faith 
and a lot of heart in order to not only keep putting content out there, even when a lot of people don't look at it and even when a lot of people don't care about it, but also just constantly put it out there, hone my craft, hone my abilities and my expertise, a lot of this stuff. And I've been able to get those little small victories. Again, money is a very superficial, very subjective thing because you could say that you got paid for something and that's a success, but it's not like a million dollars. You know what I mean? We're not balling with Jay-Z money out here. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the thing is though, I've had you know, the privilege and the honor to go to places like uh, E3. You know, I'm, I'm going on my fifth E3 this year in June. And my first E3, I'll never forget. That was when the moment I felt like everything clicked because not only was I amongst people that I've seen on TV and I've seen on online and various other places that I, I admired and I really looked up to, but now I'm among them as one of their peers. And to me, that was an awesome win. The other awesome win that I felt that was really cool, besides like some of the other interviews and people I've been able to converse with over time, is being able to go to a college and speak to game devs and offer my opinion about what the type of stuff they're doing in their career or what they're going to do in their career and hopefully influence them down the line to do great stuff. You know, when I got to speak at Miami Day College, college for that or go to be a guest at Lumicon or any of the other places I've gone to and places that I've covered to me that really kind of you know is an is an indescribable indescribably fun experience that I think very few people will ever really kind of truly understand unless you sit down and really observe it because to me it's awesome I, I love doing things like that I love being a part of things like that because to me that's true success where not only you're relevant but you're also doing some good for other people besides mm -hmm. yourself that is cool and for people out there who you know, they want to be freelance writers. What are some of the practical things that you've done? And like, what are those opportunities? Like, I know you've done some IGN wiki, like guides writing, and we can talk about that. But mm -hmm. are you pitching features to people? Are you pitching reviews? Like, where does that actual opportunity for finances come from? It's a combination of all that, like literally, and then some, and and it's almost intimidating sometimes. Like if you list out all the stuff that one has to deal with, including myself, it'd just be like, wow, that's a lot. And maybe you should just chill. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot there because that's, that's what usually it takes to try to make it work. And that's even just to get at the starting line, not to really kind of hit your stride. I mean, for me, even now I'm constantly pitching stuff. I recently, I pitched a couple articles to influencer update, which got published and I was able to get paid for, which was awesome. I mean, there's also other places, including IGN, you know, sometimes you don't get assigned a guide you're not offered a guide sometimes you got to go ask for it and see if they even want you to actually work on that besides the guides work luckily for me you know i was i was able to kind of like get a couple things here and there i was able to write a review for ign i've only done one review for ign i always wanted to do more but they never really needed me you know in various different reasons or another because usually they have a lot of people over there that are doing stuff but you know, there's little things that sometimes you have to go ask and you have to go look for it. And you have to go either ask multiple times or maybe a little bit bug people to an extent, not like bug, like to really harass people, but like, you know, to message a couple times when people just straight up ignore you or when people just don't get that email or that they just don't see it or they don't notice you. That's probably the biggest hurdle that people like us have to deal with now more so than back then, because granted back then things were still being figured out. And I say back then is like early days of IGN, you know, early days of like G4 and stuff where things nobody really knew or understood what they were doing there was no blueprint out there now there's multiple blueprints and people just don't want the same type of stuff or that they immediately dismiss you or dismiss others because either you're part of the crowd you're part of the, the sea of people that are out there or that you're not going to offer them anything interesting and that's yeah. my biggest challenge like again i have the skills and and the expertise and the the portfolio really the backlog of work to really show somebody out there anybody that you know i could do this type of stuff and i could have something to offer and something of value and of positivity to say but again even someone like me gets kind of dismissed as easily as anybody else would and that's a huge huge struggle so besides the pitching 
I also say that, you know, being on every platform, I feel like is really, really key. You know, obviously YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, a lot of, I don't understand how a lot of people aren't on LinkedIn and not using LinkedIn like Facebook, which is almost the exact same thing, only more business savvy. It's like going to a party and as opposed to wearing uh, regular jeans, you're wearing a suit. Like that's what it, you know, the difference between Facebook and LinkedIn to me is like, but it's very, it's very important to do stuff like that. And then finally, I think that the biggest thing that a lot of people just take for granted is the willingness to collaborate, the willingness to actually work with people. Like obviously stuff like this, me and you talking, me being a guest on your show is one thing, but even just working together on like a joint editorial or a joint video, a joint podcast show that's like got a certain number of episodes or all this other stuff, you know, being around and being able to collaborate with different people of different ideas rather than just focusing on your own craft and just on your mm. own ideas and just your own opinion. It's the difference between trying to create something of quality value and something that's of uh, that people are really going to get something out of just by, you know, interacting with as opposed to just wanting to do stuff just to be heard or just trying to talk just for the sake of talking. Yeah. I feel like that's very important. And I think that's something that a lot of people, especially YouTubers and, and content creators and streamers now these days, take very much for granted because they're trying to build up their own brand rather than actually build a brand that people are going to love. Yeah, I think you've summed that up really well, actually. That's that's really, yeah, it's really good. You know, that thing of having to follow up with people and kind of lightly poke them, not hassle them, not be too annoying, but just, you know, remind them that you're there and that you're willing to work. And I've found that like myself and I've definitely heard, you know, a lot of people on this podcast talk about basically being rewarded for their persistence even when they were annoying. It was like, okay, let's give this guy a job or let's give this guy a job interview because he's not going to give up. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the podcast guests that I'm most proud to get on this show because he's really not in the gaming community and accessible like a lot of the guests are is Shay Serrano who works for The Ringer and he's the number one New York Times bestselling author. And, and uh, it was a big deal for me because I'm a big that. fan of his. But when I asked him on the podcast for some reason, I said, why did you do the show? And he said, I could tell that you weren't going to give up. And that really meant a lot to me because, you know, as much as it sounds like maybe I was annoying him, I don't even think I emailed him that much. There's only one email, but it was just a really, you know, persistent and adamant kind of thing. And that's cool. I think he could just sense that I was determined and that spoke a lot to me. Like it, it showed me that I've accomplished what I've set out to do as far as present myself in a certain way. And I think that you're probably similar in the way that you uh, approach it as well, but from the sounds of it. Yeah, definitely. Again, I, I can relate. And I think that was a cool episode. I think that was dope. Congrats to you on that. Thank you. But also, again, I think that everybody goes through that or experiences that in their own little way. It Not just the gaming industry. You can, you can see a lot of the parallels. I say there's a lot of parallels between the gaming industry and the music industry because a lot of the same types of stuff and struggles that we usually end up with, I see in like other various versions of like the music industry. And I always take examples and little notes and like little lessons from there in order to kind of feel like, you know, implement some of my own stuff or at least, you know, try to learn a little bit so I can make things work for me here in gaming. Mm. And I think the fact that you've been doing this for so long is a testament to how hard you're working and how much you want it because a lot of people will start a youtube channel or a podcast and they'll do it for maybe they do it for a year or two years and they still haven't got their dream job so you know something else distracts them or they realize that it's really hard and they they give up but 
you've kept at it. And I think that that will pay off for you. It might not be like the way that you think it will pay off for you, but it'll, it will pay off no doubt at all. Let me put it this way. And I think this is a good story, little quick story that I think could like embodies that because this happened to me recently. I, I'm pretty sure because you saw it on, on Twitter when I was talking about it and stuff. When, when things happened, when my dad got cancer and obviously I couldn't work from home because we were dealing with all that stuff there. I literally every day when I had to walked about a mile and a half to two miles every single day there and back to go on a Wi-Fi connection to go do stuff, you know, to continue making content, to continue making reviews, get bring my console in a games case, my PlayStation or my Xbox in a games case to go download games for review, to go back home and play them or go to a friend's house to actually download stuff and actually do that because I wasn't going to let that barrier or like that real big rug pulled from underneath me stop me from continuing to do what I wanted to do or at least be relevant and continue to want to be part of all this stuff you know that to me I made that choice I used I remember going to a Starbucks having to walk all the way to the mall because I couldn't get a bus fare at the time because again I was trying to freelance and I just wasn't getting paid at that time Uh, trying to just get to a Starbucks in order to get on Wi-Fi to do stuff for like the entire day imagine spending eight hours at a Starbucks smelling coffee (laughs) all day you know how many refills I had it was ridiculous but it's still (laughs) let me put it this way I got the job done I got everything I need to do done and I did the most than any other person at the coalition at that time. That is a great story. But I have to ask, how do you download an update for a PS4 when you don't have a monitor? Well, that's the crazy thing, man. Like, one, the games case has a monitor, thank God, (laughs) which is important. But also going to a friend's house, like, again, when I would bring the console over to, like, my friend Juan's place, like, he, when that was going down, he brought me over to his place in order to stream on Twitch because there would be days or weeks when I couldn't stream on Twitch for obvious reasons. And I would try to go to other places like a, a public library that's nearby or go to a Starbucks or even go to the local mall with the games case in hand with the console. So I'm sitting there on a small table, people walking by me, and I got this giant console setup <laughs> with my laptop on the ground trying to connect to twitch and it just wasn't going to work because of bad connections and also because it was just too much so going to places like that or going to a friend's house where it allowed me to kind of be able to keep things up and download the system software updates download the updates to the games like the freaking 20 gigabyte downloads <laughs> from these places it's insane sometimes but i was able to do it and find a way to get around it and actually make it work and still be able to keep going and keep that momentum flowing mm. I think that's the definition of putting in work is sitting in a food court with nobody a, else will understand that console. i am telling you i have pictures to prove it is on my social media go out there and look people it, it nobody else will understand that struggle unless you've done it yourself yeah you must be like what am i doing but no right <laughs> exactly all right so what would you say has been the hardest part of getting to this point you're at because as i said before whether you're at a big publication or not you've you've got a online following you've got a brand you've got a full-time gig it's by committee i guess it's like you've cobbled together a full-time gig through all these different outlets that you're you know working with contributing towards and then pitching to and you've, you've made that work for you yeah it's it's just that uh again just like different stuff again a lot of the willingness just to go out and ask people reach out to people even when people aren't really doing stuff about certain things try to actually just continuously bug people and ask questions about certain stuff to really kind of you know put things together i mean between the freelance work and even again just because i don't get paid at the coalition i still have a huge body of work that I could still use to show other people that i could do stuff and even go to like a lot of the publishers you know for some of the different games that come out and be like hey i've done all this work out here i have a lot of stuff that's you know published out there i still would love to review your games and usually that ends up working and, and ends up helping you know helping out a great deal the biggest struggle that i've probably had to deal with or the hardest thing to deal with is obviously rejection and obviously you know uh be 
being ghosted. The, the rejection, I think, is is something that's a part of the process. That's something that you have to deal with, and there's no way to get around it because not everybody's going to say yes to you on everything. But the worst thing that I've had to deal with, and I've had to deal with on all aspects of the industry, is being ghosted, where I would set things up. I would have things planned out. I would, okay, interact with people. I would be in negotiations with people. I do all these different things. And then come time when it's game time, when it's go time, all of a sudden I'm the only one who shows up. And that's the worst because that happened to me recently, believe it or not. And I won't say the YouTuber, but I had a big, 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 big YouTuber that agreed to come on one of my talk shows and gave me a day and time to actually do it. Never showed up, never once uh, emailed or, or messaged me afterwards like that. Yet they were on social media afterwards. Like that stuff hurts because it's like, yo, I care about this type of stuff. I care about to do these types of things and actually really make an effort. And I'm out here, granted, I'm small potatoes, you know, compared to most people out there. But I sometimes feel like I have a better etiquette than some other people out there because of things like that. And, it, and it's a real, it's a real tough struggle. The other one too is being able to reach out to certain places, you know, for freelance work or for different types of collaboration work, you know, for various outlets and websites. And sometimes, you know, the editors that are out there, either they're having a bad day or they just got other things going on. They just don't care. You know, there's nothing you could do about that. That's just something you got to, you got to have a lot of patience and understanding with what's going on on their end and also have a lot of empathy. I think that empathy goes a long way on all facets of the equation, you know, in any industry, especially for us as freelancers. Uh, I think that's something that more people could benefit from utilizing a lot more often and actually using it to their advantage instead of just, you know, being very judgmental at first glance or being very knee jerk reaction in some regards. So that's probably my biggest struggles, you know, to, to kind of like deal with stuff like that as it comes. Yeah, it ain't easy. And I, I certainly feel the pain of that ghost thing because i had a guest lined up for this podcast once who like you know the founder it's of not a, cool the founder of a very big website and uh they like i was sitting here at my computer waiting to you know talk to them and they just never turned up and never explained why they were late and i gave them so many opportunities to i always give the benefit of the doubt oh, i'm sure something came up or like you know sorry if you i hope everything's going okay like i give them an out to say that something came up or whatever but nothing you know it's just like just give me something it's, it's one of those things where it's rude it's straight it up rude but also i think that there's also you know as the person that that gets that done to them and i've had to, to deal with this and have a conversation with myself about it it's like where's the cutoff point you know where is your you know the understanding of what your value and your value of your time is and like when you're being disrespected or when you feel like that's not being you know uh, yeah. respected enough you know what I mean? It's like, okay, uh, in my case, you know, when, when the YouTubers would do that to me, granted, I, I got judged plenty of times because I had less than 5,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. Like, that's not a cool thing. People talk about that all the time. That's a bad thing to do, but people yeah. still do it. But it's a thing that happens and stuff. But, you know, sometimes you can let things like that go. But then after it happens a couple of times and after it, you know, it, it happens in a way where it's just like it's not cool and stuff. It's like, you know what? Like, mm. I don't need you despite your millions of followers or whatever in order to kind of do something awesome because I try to have the mindset that I could work with anybody, that I could do something with anybody. Even if I had a million subscribers and somebody had one or if it was reversed around, I bet I could actually get together with them and do something that's like phenomenal, better than anybody else can do or at least I try to in some regard or fashion and not only give people the benefit of the doubt to work with them to create something special but also understand that what we're doing is we're trying to put great content out there. We're not just trying to get attention. No doubt, no doubt. So... Your advice, I'm sure that there's a lot based on what you've said already, but what would be your advice to people who want to get the full-time freelance gig going or kind of just get, yeah, get to where you're at now because they might see that you've made that clear path that, you know, best possible path towards the industry that uh, that you've been able to set for yourself? 
I think that the best types of advice and things that people could hear and, and really kind of like replay back in their head is not only to start doing it now, to start doing things now. I know mm. Greg has said that plenty of times and many others have said that many times, but it's totally true. Like, why not start now? Why not just actually get up, go sit down in front of your computer, record a podcast or turn on your camera, start talking and actually start honing those muscles now. But also, even then, when you're way past that point, I think that a lot of the equation uh, and a lot of the stuff that doesn't really get talked about enough in the equation is a lot of the, the 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 failure and the struggle that comes afterwards is understanding that that is part of the process and it is going to happen. You have to come to terms with that and accept that, but also understand that when it does happen and when things do kind of go whatever direction they're going to go, that it's not mm. the end all be all. That I think it's also that, you know, when things do happen and they don't work out for the best, that's either the universe's way of like trying to steer you in another direction for something much greater, but also just probably helping you to avoid a bullet, to avoid something that might actually not be beneficial to what journey you're going to go on. For me, uh, one of the things that I've actually utilized to my own advantage, you know, when it comes to doing stuff like this is to listen and to read and watch everybody and watch everything. I mean, I listen to your podcast as a fan, you know, for various different episodes and stuff for various different people that I follow, but I also listen to all the IGN podcasts. I listen to all the kind of funny games cast stuff and all the podcast stuff. I listen to other various indie podcasts, you know, from various YouTubers and other content creators and other people that are out there. I read just about every review I can, even though technically when you're reviewing games, you're not supposed to read reviews, but I still read it for, you know, the way that people structure words and the way that people talk and kind of describe mm-hmm. their feelings about games and stuff. You know, the same thing when it comes to op-eds. One of the things that I've always felt that I've gained over time, you know, when it came to reading a lot of stuff that I've noticed is the kind of like a weird funky trend is that you know people now these days when they run a write an op-ed or a feature they want to talk like if they're talking on a soapbox not come from a genuine place of actually trying to give yeah. something to the reader i feel like that's a very important thing that a lot of people seem to have forgotten and that's from a lot of older writing habits and older writing philosophy uh it goes all the way back to the main directive of all game all, all journalism and i call i call it the prime directive of all games journalism because i'm a star trek <laughs> fan but it's like you want to be able we, we want to be able to take the information that you have out there and present it to people and present it to people so they can make their own judgments. You know, that that's not verbatim. It's kind of like, you know, loosely interpreting it, but it's said differently. But that's mm. like my main thing is like, I want to do stuff that even if it doesn't get a lot of views for whatever reason, it doesn't get a lot of traction, that it's still something that when those people do finally look at it, they're always going to know that they're going to get something at a value that whenever I'm involved with it, that they're always going to either walk away with a good, fun, interesting idea or something to really kind of make them think about something or that they're going to have a great time or something that is going to make them feel good afterwards. Even if it's me criticizing and completely demolishing a game, they're going to get something out of that rather than just me trying to rant and rave for them. Yeah, that speaks to me definitely that, you know, that part about editorializing because as a journalist of seven years in newspapers, yeah, it does feel like people are often writing to convince someone of, of their opinion instead of letting them form their own ideas about an issue and that's what I love about, you know, some of the real, like we, like you hinted at before, some of the real journalism that happens from people like Jason Schreier, where it is like, here's the two sides of this, you know, Red, uh, Red Dead Redemption, Rockstar Games crunch story. And, you know, it's not trying to convince you that this is right or this is wrong. It's just here are the facts. It's not trying to condescend you. 
It's not trying to talk down to you. I think that's the really the main thing. It, you don't want to create things, or at least I don't want to create things that talk down to people. Like I've I've gone off on subjects in some of my writings. Again, I've wrote about a lot of different stuff, a lot of the big topics that people talk about now in the games industry. You know, some of the really uh, controversial and important ones. But I never came at it from a way it was like I'm talking down to yeah. the person reading it. I'm not talking down to the audience or talking down to the subjects. I'm like I'm talking that's to right. you. I'm not yeah, talking. Yeah, there's down a lot of like this is the way it is, and if you don't see this, then you you're wrong like and that's not the way to do it yeah. i think and i respect that that's not exactly so kudos for that all right jj is there anything we've missed so far uh i mean again <laughs> we talked about a lot i mean obviously i guess like i mentioned that i'm also i do a lot of stuff on youtube outside of my writing and stuff that's a whole new avenue for me you know with the youtube video making and mm. the twitch streaming and even just the the indie podcast stuff because again i have a, I have a show on uh, itunes with the coalition called tk spotlight on top of all the other shows that i do on top of that and it's just you know it's a different uh frontier for me because I, I always believe that the writing that I've had always helped aid me in that type of stuff. I always tell other people and a lot of my friends that have YouTube channels, especially even those with big followings, you should learn how to write because it's also going to make you yeah. better on video. And I think it's going to make you better uh, with the way that you come up with ideas for your videos because the way that you think and that you present ideas when you finally do know how to write and convey your thoughts like that is not the same for any somebody else who's never written before. And I granted there's pros and cons to all that, but for me, that's always been, that's always been something that I've really benefited from, from learning learning how to write and be able to kind of speak in the way that I do now and convey my thoughts. So that's really been kind of cool, you know, over time. And it's getting better now, especially for the new year for my YouTube channel, because even though it's still small, it's still growing. So trying to make it grow, but it, it's something that I really take into heart. I would do want to give a shout out to TK Spotlight because uh, for two things, first of all, it was the podcast that made me realize that Colin Moriarty was doing podcasts in the community <laughs> and mm. after listening to your interview with nice. him i reached out to him and that was uh really kind of a turning point for my show in terms of growing the audience because he's got such a awesome. connected fan base and uh it also furthered the relationship that i had with colin because i was able to go onto his podcast and we've had some good back and forth on uh, twitter and that kind of thing like he follows me and that's dope that's been really great as well because he's a great dude uh but also the second thing was that you know i've had a lot of great guests on my show but i've never had James Rolfe and I loved that you were able to get the angry video game nerd on the show and that's someone that I'd love to talk to if I can find a way I've been dying I've been dying when I finally did it I had been dying yeah. to do that for the long time yeah. I'm a huge angry video game nerd fan and I didn't think he would ever do it and when he finally said yes that was planned for like over a month like I kept trying to see talking to him talking to Mike Matei and all those other people I was like yo I really want to do this and finally he said yes I was like yeah this is awesome because stuff like that granted he's a huge channel he doesn't have to do right. any of that stuff he doesn't care he does what he wants, but just the conversation we had about stuff that I felt a lot of people didn't really get and really didn't kind of uh, really talk about at the time, I felt really offered something that I don't think anybody else would have really given to him. And I think that was pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah, I would love to get him on putting in work and who knows, maybe one day, but... Uh, That'd be a cool guest. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this and reach out to, to James and Mike and... Tweet yeah. at him. Tweet at him. James, let's go. It's Start time. the campaign. <laughs> All right, last question for you, JJ. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, man. If I could do anything and know that I couldn't fail, I would probably go into Hollywood, yeah. to be honest with you. I know that a lot of people like to come up with crazy things. I know a lot is like, go to space, yeah. which is, you know, it's like, how do you compete with going to space? Like, 
I mean, you're in Star Trek territory at that point. But I mean, if we're just sticking on Earth and we're just talking about like reasonable, like, you know, realistic jobs and stuff, I would go into Hollywood and I would become a movie star because then, you know, the, the fame and notoriety you get with that, you know, and the, the outreach and the influence mm. you get over people with that, I could use it for real good. Like there are things even in my gaming career now that I've, you know, as time goes on and maybe if I ever get into a big, larger, you know, conglomerate of an audience, like some of these other influencers out here, I would do things that I know that those people should be doing that I feel I could give a lot of people a lot of great things and do a lot of good for our industry and also for our industry in the eyes of the general public because there there are certain things that I feel like could be done you know with someone that's like a personality that people connect with could actually make a real big difference like that sure. so that's something I would probably cool. do next coming of Bruce Lee is that the idea yeah that'd be, I don't know about next coming of Bruce Lee there's only one Bruce Lee but if you want to talk about the most epic man in the industry then yes I'll take yeah, it cool all right and I said that was the last question but I gotta say what's with all the owls tell me I love owls. I just think that they're such funny creatures and cool creatures. Again, they make the best memes. I don't care what anybody says about dogs and cats. Go look at an owl meme and try not to laugh because okay. that thing is hilarious. Like, they're just too goofy and stuff. But I just love owls. I, I hope one day, if, again, if I ever get successful and stuff, I want to have a pet owl just, just because because it's, it's kind of cool. They just look at them. They're cute. Life goals. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show, JJ. It's been really interesting. Like, you've got a lot of wisdom behind the experience you've had and I think that you've clearly learnt from what you've been through over the past you know, six, seven years or so and you know the ups and downs of the uh, industry thank you appreciate it it's, it's humbling and it's an honour and again as a fan of your show I love your stuff and I just love talking with you and talking with everybody else and stuff like I think it's really fun to me I think it's dope thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica if you want to catch JJ on Twitter he's at VenomousFatMan1 you heard me correctly And if you'd like to support this show, the best way to do that is with an iTunes review or by picking up some sweet putting in work merchandise. All of that over at 8bit.net slash P-I-W, that's A-T-E-B-I-T. And that is where you can find the rest of the awesome podcast content from the 8-Bit Collective. You can catch me on social media at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.